Welcome to the South Elkhorn Christian Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the weekly messages. For bulletin material, reflection guides, and other resources, visit southelkhorncc.org. Now this Pentecost is no ordinary Pentecost. It's not any Pentecost I ever expected. And yet, perhaps that's just right. How could we ever expect Pentecost? And the reading of Scripture today might not be one we expect to associate with Pentecost, and yet it is thoroughly a Pentecost story. Join me in reading John chapter 20, verses 19 through 23. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, we ask that you meet us here and open our hearts, our minds, our eyes, our ears to the movement of your spirit, even here, even now, so many years later from the Pentecost moments we read about in Scripture. Help us to see that Pentecost is not over, that your spirit moves again and reshapes and remakes the church with the mission and the ministry and the message of Jesus, which is the unconditional love of God for all people, which changes how we relate to every person and changes how we set up the world for each person. Oh God, give us eyes to see and ears to hear this day. And now, God, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you, you who are our rock and redeemer. Amen. The color of Pentecost is red. It's red because it connects to the imagery of fire. Fire, which we learn about in Acts chapter two. We read in Acts chapter two that on the day of Pentecost, the 50th day following Passover, Passover being the time when Jesus celebrated that last supper with his disciples, that that last supper before his arrest, his trial and his crucifixion. Some 50 days later, after Jesus has has died and risen again. The early church, now having seen Jesus ascend and is left alone on their own, is bewildered and afraid and confused and not really sure what to do next. There, the church gathered all of a sudden experiences an outpouring of God's Spirit. And it's as if a sound like a rushing wind comes upon them. And there are tongues of fire that dance on each each of their heads. And the message they have to proclaim, the message of Jesus, of God's unconditional love for all people, can be heard by everyone who's listening in. It's a wondrous, miraculous, crazy, strange moment. And the people there are bewildered themselves. How can this be? And yet it signifies this tongues of flame, signify this new unity, this new connection across boundaries that would otherwise separate people of language, of nationality, of culture. They're all one in the unconditional love of God for all people, that changes how we relate to each person, that changes how we set up the world for every person. Yes, the color of Pentecost is red to connect us to that moment, that that Pentecost moment, the outpouring of God's Spirit in Acts chapter 2. 
Interestingly, importantly, that rushing of a mighty wind, that word wind is meant to echo and reverberate with God's creative action in Genesis. You see, in Genesis 1, we read about the waters of the deep, the chaotic waters, and over these waters, as God begins to create, is God's spirit, or ruach in Hebrew, which means breath or wind. When that rushing wind comes upon that early, bewildered, confused church, when the Spirit of God is poured out on them, they, God is creating something new in them and with them. It's a creative moment that brings down barriers and brings people together through God's unconditional love for all people that changes how we relate to every person that changes how we set up the world for each person because we read later in Acts that the, this, this new community would, would come to celebrate its commonality and its connection in new and important ways, would come to share things in common and, and, and worship together and break bread together and daily new people were being added to their number and the church was growing and expanding the birth of the church. But the thing is, if Pentecost is this moment of the outpouring of the Spirit, this isn't the only moment when the Spirit is poured out on the early church and the church finds its stride, figures out who it is. There are other moments in Acts when the Spirit is poured out, other mini Pentecosts, if you will, and there's a moment in John, a moment we just read, if we pay attention and listen carefully, a moment when the Spirit of God is poured out or breathed out by Jesus on those disciples huddled in the upper room. In John's gospel, it's not weeks later. It's actually right there in the midst of having the sorrow and the grief, the sadness, the, the disillusionment, the despair, the uncertainty of Jesus' death. The disciples are locked away, huddled up in the upper room, afraid of the religious leaders and the Roman authorities and all those who might do to them what happened to Jesus. And Jesus shows up and shows his hands and his side shows them in his resurrected glory that he is still the crucified one and that his crucifixion was not the end of the story. And he gives them a deep and abiding peace, a peace they will need to be the church that God has called them to be, to walk into difficult terrain and territory, to walk into hard places and to love people who are hard to love and to change who they are so that they can show that love in new and creative ways. Yes, the very peace of God that is so important if they're going to forgive as Christ forgave. And then Jesus breathes on them, again echoing that Ruach in Genesis 1, that creative activity of God that makes something new out of chaos. There in the chaos of that upper room, the disciples become the church. And Jesus says, the very reason, purpose, the very sentness that I have received from God, I now give to you. As God has sent me, now I send you to forgive as I have forgiven, to love as I have loved, to do as I have done, and remember that I am the crucified one. If you're going to love, it's going to have to be a love big enough to include crucifixion and the crucified ones. I don't know about you, but these last few weeks, and especially this last week, have been really hard for me. In fact, I got an email just, just this week from someone saying, I saw your video about what's coming up next in the life of the church, and are you okay? Are you getting enough sleep? You look really tired. I was able to answer honestly that, that yes, I am tired. Uh, infants will do that to you, but it's not just that. The cumulative weight of 
the situation of this pandemic that we're all living under, the stress, the challenge, the uncertainty, trying to sort out finances with job loss, trying to figure out how to, how to balance parenting and teaching and working, how to, how, to, how, to, how to figure out Zoom and technology and then experience Zoom fatigue and decision fatigue and screen fatigue. And yeah, that's hard enough as it is. But then perhaps you've experienced this too. My, my heart has been troubled and it is so heavy hearing the news that now we've crossed the threshold of 100,000 people who have died from the coronavirus, this low-grade grief that I carry with me. And then, and then to see not only 100,000 people in the United States, but the, the death count continue to grow in other countries. This low-grade grief not only for all those who have died, but also just all the things that have been changing in our world around us. This low-grade grief compounded and intensified and, and, and changed into something all the more nebulous and difficult to, to name and to figure out when, when we hear the news stories of people, of, of people of color going through their neighborhoods, jogging through their neighborhoods and then being gunned down. And we see laid bare before us racial injustice, racial violence, and the, and the injustice that continues to plague us as a, as a people, as a country. And we see the brokenness of the world around us. And we see the plight and the fear and the rage and the uncertainty of people of color who have to experience that injustice in disproportionate ways and who know what it's like to have to tell their kids this is the world they live in and how to prepare for that. Yes, my heart is heavy and I feel this deep and abiding sadness. And then to see the to see the news and to see the horrifying footage of George Floyd, a black man who's taken into custody, who's, who was arrested and, 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 and laid on the ground and gasping for breath saying, please, I can't breathe, and to, have his, and to have his very breath and life choked out under the knee of his arresting officer. To hear the news that the arresting officer has been arrested and charged with manslaughter and murder. To see the ways that, that, that the death of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor in Louisville and Ahmaud Arbery have sparked unrest and protest and have touched a nerve of, of rage and grief and sadness and, and have been fomented by, uh, by, by some who, who don't share the interests of, 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 of trying to correct this injustice but only want to fan the flames of, of unrest leading to more violence and death and all of this sadness and this brokenness just weighs on my heart and I wonder what's going on God what's going on and I wonder if the crucified Christ isn't standing before his disciples his church who are socially distanced tired and fatigued, uncertain of the future and trying to figure things out, stands before them and says, here I am. I'm your mission and your message. This is your Pentecost moment. This is when you can become and be the church. To love as I have loved, to forgive as I have forgiven, to do as I have done. God sent me and so now I send you and I know what it's like to have my breath choked out beneath the knee of Roman injustice. I know what it's like to have my reality denied as Peter denied me, my ally denied me in the courtyard, warming his hands by the fire when asked, do you know this man? And Peter said, no, not once, not twice, but three times. Jesus, the one who says, I know what injustice is like. I know what it is to die at the hands of cruel oppressors. I know what it's like 
to be sold out and to be rejected and to be betrayed and to be denied. I know what it's like and here I am, see my scars, love as I have loved and love all of those who have experienced what I have experienced, who are experiencing what I have experienced. Church, maybe this is our Pentecost moment when the Spirit of God is being poured out on the streets of Minneapolis and Louisville and yes, in our city too, in Lexington and Georgetown and Richmond and Nicholasville where, where the crucified Christ stands before us and says, pay attention to crucified people because I was sent that you might love as I have loved, that you might forgive as I have forgiven, that you might do as I have done. Your mission and message is my mission and message. My mission and message is for you. Church, maybe this is our Pentecost moment, as confusing and bewildering and as hard, as difficult, as chaotic and heart-wrenching and heavy as it is. Maybe this is our moment to be the church that God has called us to be, to love as Christ has loved, to love unconditionally, that it might change the ways we relate to every person, that it might change the ways we set up the world for each person, that we might love with the unconditional love of God in Jesus Christ, who shows us the way as one who was crucified, as one who identifies with the suffering. Perhaps this is our moment to identify with those who are suffering, with those who are enraged, with those who are grieving, with those who are hurt, with those who are hurting, with those who are bearing, who are bearing the weight of not just recent killings and murder of people of color, but decades of injustice, centuries of injustice that stretch deep into American slavery and segregation and Jim Crow and mass incarceration. Maybe this is our moment to get honest and not deny the reality on the ground, but instead to learn about the reality on the ground. To my white brothers and sisters, maybe this is our moment to listen and learn. And not to stand back and to deny, to not share a few platitudes about how we too reject racism, but instead to step into the plight of our brothers and sisters, to learn their pain, and to be a part of a new way forward as Christ extends his scarred hands inside to us and says, join me in what God has called me and us and you and us to do. Maybe this is our Pentecost moment when the church catches its stride and figures out how the unconditional love of God might look in this time, in this place, under these pressurized and difficult and heart-wrenching and gut-wrenching and heavy conditions of such injustice and cruelty and uncertainty and chaos and violence. Maybe this is our moment to love with the very love of Jesus Christ and be the church anew. Maybe this is our Pentecost moment. Because God is always at work doing a new thing. Because God is pouring out God's spirit even in the midst of such difficult circumstances. Because God has not given up on God's people, just as Jesus didn't give up, Jesus just as Jesus didn't give up on the one who had denied Him. Because the one who warmed himself by the fire and denied and didn't show up for Jesus was the same one that Jesus visited on the beach. The resurrected Christ sits down with Peter and says, "Peter, do you love me?" And Peter, perhaps remembering that night 
when the crucified Christ showed up in the upper room, breathed his spirit, his creative spirit on him. Perhaps Peter says, of course, Jesus, you know I love you. And Jesus says, then feed my sheep. And he says it, he asked Peter as many times as Peter denied him, three times. And perhaps Peter realized that's what forgiveness looks like. Showing up for the deniers, showing up for the betrayers to invite them to do something new and to be something new, to feed my sheep. Perhaps this is our moment, church, to confront the ways that we've denied the realities on the ground and the ways we've been complicit in them and to get busy feeding God's sheep, tending to God's sheep, especially those crucified and forgotten, rejected and denied. Perhaps this is our Pentecost moment, church. And perhaps this is our moment when we discover what it means to love unconditionally and to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ, his witness and his way, that we might find new forms of community and connection that transform the world. Maybe this isn't just a mess we're in and a broken situation, that, but instead maybe this is our Pentecost moment. We don't have to have all the answers to step forward in faith with love and compassion, being willing to listen to our brothers and sisters and learn and grow and love again this day and every day. Amen. Thanks for listening to the message this week. Visit southelkorncc.org where you can download reflection and discussion guides to dig deeper into the weekly scripture and message.